0: Turn in your Bibles to the book of Job. Book of Job, chapter 9. All right, spring training, spring training started on Tuesday, I think. And I love spring training. I love the Braves. I love to watch baseball. I love to play baseball and softball. Um, but you can't play baseball without an umpire. The rules are there, but if someone's not there to... To enforce the rules to moderate what happens if there' if no one's really playing by the rules in baseball it falls apart it's chaos right there's rules people are running from home to second right and there's chaos if there's not an umpire now that game that game we just played that was fun and hopefully encouraging for some of you but uh but for some of you um, it's Life is a lot harder. Um, there are, there's not a lot for you to enjoy in life. Um, friends betray you. And this is like every day. Friends betray you. People in school threaten you. How many of you feel threatened in school sometimes? Um, parents are always riding you. Teachers are always stressing you. Um, you're stressed out about the way you look. People find ways to make fun of you. Maybe you get sick. Um, things just pile up. You don't have any money, right? The person you like doesn't like you back. Um, maybe maybe you got in trouble and your teachers or your parents, they had to discipline you. And so you messed up and you feel bad. Um, or some of you just feel like nobody even knows you're alive. Or maybe nobody cares. Right, or maybe you just feel like a failure. And some of you may even say, I hate my life. At some point, I think all of us say that. I hate my life. And you feel like there's nobody who's on your side. There's nobody there to be kind of an umpire to rule in your favor. It feels like everybody's against you and like no matter what you do, Things are always going to turn out bad for you. I talked to a girl last week who told me she had no hope for her life. And then she said she was going to kill herself. Um, and I just want to make sure that, that all of you know that you have someone on your side. That you all have someone on your side. Um, in that situation where you feel like everything is crumbling, nothing's going right, everything's bad, everyone's against me, uh, I want you to know that Job can relate to you. Job relates to you. And in chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 21. Job had it bad. Job lost everything he had. He lost his children, his servants, all of his animals, his homes, uh, everything. He lost everything. He kept his wife. His wife was alive. But she was a thorn in his side. Um, And Job's friends came to try to comfort him, but they really just kind of blamed him for everything that was going wrong in his life. How many of you know people who, when when things are not going well with you, you know who you can turn to who will blame you for your problems, right? Uh, That's what Job's friends were doing. And so Job came to this point where he was talking to them and talking about God right now. In this passage, he's talking about God. And in verse 21, he says, I am blameless. I regard not myself. I loathe my life. What does it mean to loathe? Despise. Hate, despise. I hate my life is what he's saying. I despise my life. He, said, he says, I am blameless, right? He doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He says, I am blameless. I don't think I've done anything wrong. I regard not myself. He's like, I don't care whether I live or die. I just know I'm right. I hate my life. Nothing's going right. I don't think I've done anything wrong to deserve this. And I don't care if I live or die. Ever feel that way? Ever feel like Job? Verse 22. Verse 22 through 24, is what this is what it says. We're going to go all the way to the end of the chapter. It is all one. Therefore, I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When disaster brings sudden death, he mocks at the calamity of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the face of its judges. If it is not he, who then is it? All right? What Job is saying here, he's saying... God is in control of everything that happens. That's what Job believes. He believes that God is in control of everything that happens, but but it doesn't matter whether you do good or bad. It doesn't matter how you live your life. Because like he says in verse 23, "When, when disaster brings sudden death, he mocks at the calamity of the innocent. He's saying, even if you're innocent, God will do things to you. God might cause you to suffer even if you're innocent. So why bother trying? God is in control of everything. But if he's going to cause even the innocent to suffer, verse 22, it says, uh, He destroys both the blameless and the wicked. It is all one. He's right. He's just saying, God just lumps everybody in. Whether you're good or bad, God doesn't really care. And so bad stuff's going to happen. And God's in control of it, so he wants to do it, so he doesn't care if the innocent get hurt. And Job believes, like he said in the previous verse, he's one of those innocent people. He doesn't understand why God is doing this. Why is God letting this happen? Why, is, why has God made my life so miserable? He continues in verse 25. He says, My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good they go by like the skiffs of reed, like an eagle swooping in on its prey. My days are swifter than a runner. He's saying, my days are coming and they're going fast. He's saying, I feel like I could die at any moment. My days are just running out. And he says, like the prey, like, <laughs> like an eagle swooping on the prey, that's how, that's how he feels like his life is going to end. It can end that quick. Right? Like you watch those nature shows, and you see the little field mouse, and he's, you know, he's like, and he's eating, and they got it up close on it, and then if you blink your eye, you miss the eagle swooping down and snatching that puppy. One minute, he's, you know, just going about his business. The next minute, he's dinner. Right? Huh? I said a puppy? I don't, I really don't miss Welker. I'm sorry. Uh, Stephen took him, so it's okay. There's a mouse, okay? So the mouse, the mouse gets snatched. And, and Job feels like, like that quickly, his life could be snatched up. There's 27. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will put off my sad face and be of good cheer. I become afraid of all my suffering. For I know you will not hold me innocent. I shall be condemned. Why then do I labor in vain? He's saying, if I pretend like everything is okay, right? And that's what, some of us have that, like things are going real bad, but we don't want to bother anybody, so we just, we put on, we, we pretend like nothing's wrong, and we put on this happy face, right? Like he says, uh... He says, put off my sad face and be of good cheer. If I pretend like everything's okay, if I'm not honest, if I don't really say how I feel, if I don't voice my complaint, even if I try to act like everything's good, God is still going to find something wrong with me. He says, I know you will not hold me innocent. He's still gonna find something wrong with me. He's still gonna make my life miserable. So why do I labor, labor in vain? Why, do, why hold that in? I might as well just voice this complaint. I might as well just say everything that's bothering me. Because it's hard work keeping your pain inside. It takes a lot out of you. And so he's saying, if, you know, if it really doesn't matter whether I s- complain to God or not, I'm just going to complain. I'm not going to try to make the best of it verse 30 31 If if I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye yet you you will plunge me into a pit and my own clothes will abhor me What what do you think he means when he says if I wash myself with snow Cold white water Snow is kind of pure isn't it It's like it's just pure water and He figures if he washes himself with the purest water, maybe he would be clean. Maybe he would be able to make himself acceptable to God. But no. He says, even if I do that, even if I do everything I know I can to cleanse myself, to make myself pure, you're still going to find something wrong with me. And what does he say? Throw him into a pit. Job realizes that there is nothing he can do that will make him acceptable to God. There is nothing he can do to make himself righteous in God's eyes, to make himself clean. There's nothing he can do to take God's wrath off of him. And that's how he feels. He feels like God has this wrath on him that is making his life miserable. That's making him say, I hate my life. How many of you, whenever things are going bad, you just say, God, why are you doing this to me? uh, Do you ever feel like you can't do anything right? Like, Like everything you do just isn't good enough. And so I try to do good, but I just don't do good enough, and all these bad things keep happening. It feels like you're alone, and it can feel like you're all by yourself, and no one's on your side. There's no one defending you. That's how I can feel. And Job, that's Job's dilemma. Job's dilemma is that, you know, his life, he hates his life. And he feels like no matter what he does, God will still find a way to punish him. That's his dilemma. Here's, Here's Job's desire. Job's desire, verse 32. For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. All right? Who knows what an arbiter is? An umpire. A mediator. Okay. He felt that he felt that God was too great. Right? He, says, he says, God's not a man like I am. What, he, what he's implying is that God is so far above me, you know, he doesn't need to come down to me to answer my, my questions. He says he won't do that. It's like, it's like us trying to say, all right, you know, Hubert Ingram, I want to talk to you about the what? The dump? Yeah, right? Like, Hubert Ingram, come, come and talk to me about my problem and fix my problem. And we say, you know, you probably get an answer, oh, well, you know, it doesn't work like that. You don't get personal invita- you know, visitation from the prime minister. You go to your MP or whoever, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Joe felt God was too far above him, uh, but he wanted this arbiter, this umpire, this mediator. But he looked around, and he couldn't find anyone who would be able to understand his side and God's side. Right? There's no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. Someone who could understand both sides. Like we had the people up here for the compliments. We had, we had an arbiter. We had an umpire. Someone who could decide. Let him take his rod away from me and let not dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak without fear of him for I am not so in myself. Um, I watched last night. How many of you have seen this new show called The Marriage Ref? All right. I watched it last night for the first time. It's these couples. These couples. (laughs) It's ridiculous. These couples, they have problems. They have issues. And so what they do is they let a TV show host decide which one is right and which one is wrong, OK? And the TV show host gets his input from celebrities who are there watching, OK? So you've got Jerry Seinfeld, who's never been married. I don't think, is he married now? I don't know. Um, you're going to have Madonna on the show giving giving marriage devu- marriage advice. Right, Alec Baldwin, you know, you've got the most messed up people who are going to help decide who is right, who is wrong. Job said Job said, I don't see anybody who can decide for me. He's looking for someone who can negotiate with God. Who do you think that is? Job never found him. Job never found that person. Eventually, God has to come... God himself comes down in in a cloud and just asks Job a bunch of questions that Job has no idea the answer to. And God says, boom, shut up. Okay? If you can't answer these simple questions, you know, deal with it. (laughs) Um, So, who is on your side. Who is on my side? Huh? Nationwide. Nationwide. Okay. Job had a dilemma. Job had a desire. But he felt like he had no defense. Our defense. Our defense. The person who is on our side the person who is the mediator, who is the arbiter, who is the umpire that Job was looking for, we have that. We have that. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Here we go. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Our mediator, our umpire, the person who can look at it from both sides, who looks at our situation from the man's perspective and from God's perspective. Why can Jesus do this? He's the God-man. He is God and man. He's God in the flesh. That's why Jesus can't be an angel, like Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you. All right? Or maybe Seventh-day Adventists, they might tell you that too. Or Mormons. Okay? Because our arbiter, our mediator has to be someone qualified to do it. An angel is not qualified to present your case before God. Only someone who is God and man can do that, and that's what Jesus is. That's why Jesus has to be God and man, not just a man, not just an angel who turned into a man, okay? Not just someone who was a man, but eventually figured out how to turn into a god which is what Mormonism teaches. All right? Jesus was always God, and he became a man. So, (laughs) what I love about this, this passage is that Job was looking for this. It was like something in him knew he needed someone to go between him and God, because he knew he wasn't good enough in himself. And that's where Jesus comes in. And I love it because it shows that the Old Testament was always pointing to Jesus. The Old Testament was always pushing us in that direction to say we needed a mediator. And there's this tension in the book of Job that's saying there isn't one. Where is it? Where is he? And so we see that God's plan of salvation started in the book of Genesis. And the whole thing had been building up to this climax when Jesus finally came as God in the flesh and took our sins upon himself and died on the cross, was laid in a tomb and rose again after three days. Jesus' death and burial and resurrection was not an accident, okay? Okay. It was not an accident, and we shouldn't be surprised. Or the people back then shouldn't have been surprised because there was always this you know, this push toward something coming, a mediator who was coming to be our defense, even when he knows we're wrong. Because what can he do? He can step in and say, I was a man. He says, I am man, I am God. I know their weaknesses. I know their temptations. I know what it's like to be a man and to face temptation. But he never sinned. Okay? So even if he he knows you've done wrong, he is always there on your side defending you before the Father. Satan is there accusing you. Jesus is there defending you. He is always there to forgive you And yet, maybe he has to correct you when you do make a mistake. But he will always forgive you. And he will help to put you on the right path. And he will never give up on you. Even when it feels like your parents have given up on you, your friends have given up on you, that guy or that girl has given up on you, Jesus will never give up on you if you put your faith and trust in him. So when you feel like things are horrible and nothing's working out, How do you know? How do you know that Jesus can relate to what you're going through? Did Jesus suffer? Did did bad things happen to Jesus? Did unfair things happen to Jesus? Was Jesus betrayed by his friends? Yeah. Was Jesus treated violently? Yeah. Was he killed for something he didn't do? Yeah. So Jesus knows. Jesus understands. It doesn't necessarily mean that those things stop happening. It just means that you still have someone on your side to help you through those things. To, to make sure that you have that relationship with the Father. That's what the Son does. He mediates. He acts as that umpire that Job so desperately wanted. But it wasn't there yet. Now you guys have it. You have it available to you. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus, and he becomes your mediator. He becomes your advocate, your defense attorney. That's what Jesus is for you. Have you accepted him? It's a good deal. It's a good deal for us. We need him. We need him. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the fact that Jesus' coming was not an accident, um, that it was not plan B, that, that you always had this plan in your mind. God, I pray tonight that we would truly believe, uh, through the eyes of faith, that Jesus is, is on our side, even when it feels like no one else is there. Lord, we all go through times of loneliness and isolation and even depression. And uh, Father, I just pray that, that you would remind us that Jesus is there, that he is on our side, that he is fighting for us, even when it feels like everything is unfair. We pray in his name. Amen.